0: Welcome to the RB Podcast, where we keep it real and biblical. The podcast to expand your Bible knowledge and boost your faith. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Let's get into another truth filled and exciting episode of Real Biblical Matter. What's up? Excited to uh, be able to share. Uh, the second installment of our Renovation of the Heart series. Thank you for joining in, thank you for tuning in. And so whether you're visiting or your friend or uh, regardless of where you're at, I encourage you're able to uh, join us this morning. And so again, this is part two of the Renovation of the Heart series. And um, you know, uh, before we jump in, I wanted to ask you for a favor. Those of you who are homeowners or even your renters, I uh, love to hear about different renovations or upgrades, things you're doing to repair your home. Go ahead and throw it in the chat if you would. And so uh, what kinds of things do you, are you working on or would you love or like to work on if you had the time or the money, that kind of thing. And so uh, go ahead and light up the chat with some of the different renovations that are going on. And so uh, renovation of the heart. The idea is that small repairs and upgrades to our home is a good thing, right? And we know that. We wanna make sure that our home is up to date. But yet, what's most important is the foundation and the structure of our home. Because if the foundation and the structure is off, then that compromises the entire home. The fact is, the, the same thing is true for you and I. We tend to deal with life in, the, in our behavior, at the behavior level. And so uh, those are some of the repairs and upgrades, if you will. But yet what's most important, what I've learned, is that our behavior is driven by our feelings, our thoughts, things we call our attitude. And our thoughts, our feelings, are driven by our worship, what rules the heart. Affection decides direction. Where I direct my Affection decides the direction of my attitudes, my thoughts, and ultimately, my behaviors. If I want to change my behaviors, I have to deal with what rules the heart, my worship. Affection decides direction. And so uh, that was last week's lesson, uh, uh, a little one-minute summary. And so uh, this week, we're going to build on that concept by looking at our feelings. And so uh, looking at how our feelings can impact our actions. You know, just an example, I think about 13 years ago. 13 years ago, actually, this weekend, I was coming home from the hospital. Uh, Actually, my oldest daughter was uh, being born. And so happy birthday, Kaylee. She celebrated her 13th birthday. And um, I love you so much, and I appreciate just who you are and Uh, the the girl that you've become, the young woman that you've become, you're still my baby, you're still my girl, but yet you are this young, vibrant, beautiful, giving woman. Even before you were born, one of the things uh, Kim and I prayed about was that our daughters would be a light to the world. And I got to say, we are blessed to know that you are a light to us, you're a light to our neighborhood, you're a light to your friends. And so uh, happy birthday uh, to you, Kaylee. And a little picture here that you can uh, to check her out, you know, uh, show my girl. And so, uh, yeah, I'm proud of her, proud dad. And so I think about that. 13 years ago, coming home from the hospital, excited, Um, you know, baby in my arms, right? And uh, not only that, I'm celebrating the the daughter of my or the birth of my firstborn. But man, I'm married to uh, my best friend uh, Kim, and man, I got to tell you guys, I'm married up. I married a woman who looks better than me, who more godly than me, she smells better than me. I, I married up. I'm blessed. I'm lucky. And so not only that, man, I I have the job of my dreams. And so I think about 13 years ago and currently I still am doing the same thing, but Uh, I come home from the hospital, I got my beautiful daughter, uh, my beautiful wife, and um, uh, Kim and I were working in the ministry, we're serving youth, we're really loving up on the church, doing what I've always loved to do. So, man, there there was a lot to celebrate, a lot uh, to, to be excited about in life at the time. But yet, I was facing some challenges, some demons inside. There are some things brewing and stirring inside of me, some feelings that I had actually ever since a little, since I was young. And uh, frankly, some things that I still deal with today these voices, these feelings telling me that I'm not good enough. There's this deep sense of failure, and it was attached to everything. Failure as a dad, failure as a husband, failure as a as a Christian. I think about uh, being a husband and, and how those thoughts attack me at the, in, in our home. And, and I would overcompensate with Kim. And you know, I think about whenever we had conflict, the first thought that would go to my mind was, man, we're gonna uh, we're, if we don't get past this conflict, it's gonna end in divorce. And, and I would just overcompensate and was hypersensitive uh, to our conflicts because I felt like a failure as a husband. I felt like a failure as a, as a dad. I felt like a failure as a Christian. Uh, nothing was ever good enough. In fact, oftentimes I would feel like I had to earn, I feel like I had to work hard to earn God's grace, to earn God's favor. And the harder I work, yet the at times the worse it felt. And I always had this deep sense of, you know what? God is not pleased with me, in fact, it, it, it manifested itself even in my dreams. I, I recall this this had this reoccurring dream, oftentimes where I, I would be waiting in line to visit God. I've died and I'm uh, I'm I'm anticipating going to heaven, and yet it'd get to the point where God's gonna call my name and He tell me, No, Randy, there was something that you did not do. You're not good enough. Therefore, to hell with you. And I wake up startled out of my dream, my heart pumping, stressed. And, And that was just a fabrication of the failure that I took around with me all the time. Trust me, you do not want to live in a cycle of being driven by your feelings, being controlled by your feelings. That is a dangerous place to be. And the reality is, I believe that many of us are in that place. I've seen the damage of living by my feelings and thoughts, and it affects every area of our lives. But I'm willing to guess that there's someone out there like, like me, you're facing some of the, the very same things, that you're driven by your feelings. You know, we, we live in a culture where where, where the, the messaging supports just. Listen to your feelings. That's the messaging that we're being bombarded with day in and day out. Tell me if this doesn't sound familiar. Do what feels good. Do what makes you happy. Whatever makes you happy, base your life on that. You know, you think about sayings like, follow your heart. You know, that's kind of the American dream that if you just follow your heart and do what feels good, that man, everything will be okay. You know what? Or determine your own truth. Follow your truth. Whatever's true for you, it's true. And 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 you know, forget about what's true for God. There's no certain truth that's true for everyone. It's kind of follow your own truth, follow your own heart, trust in your feelings. That's a lie. We live in this culture where our feelings and our thoughts dictate our behaviors, honestly, more than we like to admit. You know, and, and we see the results of that. Look around. We see the results of feelings dictated lifestyle. It's a selfish lifestyle, a, a lifestyle filled with hatred, filled with, with conflict, filled with crisis, filled with overindulgence, filled with all of these different things that do not honor God and ultimately do not help the people around us. You know, the reality is, the sad reality is, this is seeping even into the church amongst God's people. where well, we've lost vision because we've allowed ourselves to base our decisions on how we feel. You cannot b- follow both God and your feelings. You cannot follow both God and your feelings. Feelings are a good thing, but they're not meant to guide us. You know, I came across this, uh, this article Uh, from Desiring God, and let me read it to you. It says, God designed your emotions to be gauges, not guides. They're meant to report to you, not dictate you. The pattern of your emotions will give you a reading of where where your hope is because they are wired to what you believe and value and how much you believe and value such things. They reveal what your heart loves Trusts and fears. Now you think about that and God created our feelings. God created us to feel. It's, it's uh, both in the physical sense, but also in the emotional sense. Feelings are not the enemy. They are supposed to be a gauge to help us understand where we are in relationship to God, but also where we are in relationship to others. The reality is, the truth is, our feelings are a gauge, not a guide. Your feelings are your gauge, not your guide. You think about that, and man, that, that's so different than the culture that we live in. So, today, what I want to do is talk a little bit about that and draw that idea. As we talk about renovation of the heart, God starts with our worship, but He continues with our feelings. And I want to look at two passages today. The first passage, we're going to gain some insights and look at an example of what not to do in terms of uh, listening to our feelings. And then the second passage will give us a little bit of guidance and direction. So we'll look at those two passages and then we'll call it a day. But before we um, continue, let's go ahead and go to God in prayer. Bow with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. God, we know that we are your creation. God, and you created us with feelings. God, you created us with all sorts of emotions, God, and and different things that go on. And God, I pray that at this time, we can uh, come to a better understanding of what it looks like for our feelings to be our gauge, God, and not our guide. God, I pray that you'll move uh, the distractions from our lives and allow us to really hone in on what you're trying to communicate to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Let's go ahead and uh, turn with me to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. So a little bit of background before we jump into this passage. God has just made a covenant agreement with his people, the Israelites, and uh, he gave them the 10 commandments that he would be their God, but also that, and and, and being being their God, He would take care of them. He would watch over them. He would provide for them. That was his part of the covenant. And their part of the covenant was to worship him. They were to give their lives to him and him alone, their loyalty to him and him alone. And so at this particular time uh, in Exodus 32, Moses is up on the mountain. He's getting some further instruction from God. And the people are um, You know, God has left Aaron in charge, his second in command. And so it's less than 40 days here. And so uh, we pick up in Exodus chapter 32 and verse 1. It says, when the people realized that Moses was taking forever and coming down off the mountain, they rallied around Aaron and said, do something. Make gods for us who will lead us. That Moses, the man who got us out of Egypt, who knows what has happened to him. Look at that. So it's within 40 days, you know, you're talking um, a month and a half of establishing this agreement to serve God, the people grew restless. And you think about what happens at times when we grow restless, particularly when we're idle and, and having to, to wait and we're restless. You know, you think about emotions can kind of stir inside of us. There can be doubt, there can be fear, there can be insecurity and mistrust. All of these things are, are, are brewing inside of the Israelites at this time as they're waiting for uh, Moses to come down off the mountain. And uh, this is especially true if they feel entitled and deserving. So they ask Moses, or they ask uh, Aaron, to make them an idol. And let's look how Aaron responds here in verse two. Aaron said to them, Fools, quit tripping. I'm making no idol, I ain't making no idol, I'll slap you guys back to Egypt. No, nah, I'm just joking, he didn't say that. So, but that would have been cool, right? That's probably what he should have said, something along those lines. Man, y'all better quit tripping. Don't let me slap you. And I'm going back to my childhood, you know, from memories of what my mom used to say to me when I said something crazy out of pocket. And so, anyways, let's get back to the text here. So Aaron, uh, Aaron responded, here's what he told them, take off. The gold rings from your ears, ears of your wives and of your sons and daughters, and bring them to me. And they all did it. They removed the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from their hands and cast it into a calf, shaping it with an engraving tool. The people responded with enthusiasm. Mm. These are your gods, O Israel, who brought us you out, out of Egypt, Aaron taken in the situation, built an altar before the calf, then announced tomorrow is the feast day to God. Early the next morning, the people got up and offered whole burnt offerings and a offering of, and a peace offering. The people sat down to eat and drink and began to party. It turned into a wild party. Okay, man, a lot going on here. So, you got the people of God, they they ask Aaron to build them a golden calf, to build them an idol, and Aaron does it. He builds them an, uh, uh, a golden calf. But here's the thing, this wasn't just any idol. This was a golden calf, uh, actually similar to the Egyptian bull goddess Apis. Now, why is that significant? Well, they had just come out of 400 years of slavery. And now within 40 days, the same God that they cried out to and he rescued them, they turn their backs on and start serving the God who enslaved them, the God of the Egyptians. That's significant. Aaron, and, and and in this, Aaron quickly realized the mistake that he had made. But instead of destroying the idol, he puts the idol in front of the golden calf. Or, or and instead of going instead of destroying the idol, he puts an altar in front of the golden calf. This altar was actually to worship the one true God. But instead of destroying the idol, he leads the people to worship two gods. And we see what happens. They actually take time to worship God. They make sacrifices. Sacrifice burnt offerings, and peace offerings, fellowship offerings. That was actually part of the covenant that the people had made. But then as soon as they get done worshiping God, they go on to wild partying. And the NIV it says they indulged in revelry. Revelry is a pagan religious practice. It's like a drunken, sexual, immoral party. And and this obviously separated them from God. You think about that, they go from worshiping God to this wild, drunken party. Wow, the depths that they had sunk to. And the consequence of all this, God told Moses as he comes down from the mountain later on in the chapter, he tells him to kill the Levites, the people, or not the Levites, but he told them to kill the people who were responsible for this. So over 3,000 people died because they were directly responsible for making this decision. Now, I can look at them and I can kind of judge them. Oh, my goodness, that's horrible. Look at those Israelites and, and kind of mock them. But the truth is, if I'm being honest, We can be the same way. We can serve God. We can pray to God. We can sing to God. We make promises and and commitments. And I believe that we do these things with 100% sincerity, just like the Israelites. And yet, we begin to serve our feelings. We begin to allow our feelings and our thoughts to control our behaviors, our actions. We allow our anger and our hurt to control us. Even after, as we're worshiping God, we allow our desire for happiness, our our desire for success, and our fear, these are emotions. We allow these things to dictate our action and our behaviors, oftentimes leading to regret. These emotions drive us to decisions. These things influence our decision-making far more than we want to admit. I think about, so often I'm triggered. I'm triggered by, my, by someone else, and immediately emotions start to stir inside of me. And then I don't think about it, I just react a lot of times. Oftentimes I just react, whether it's in anger or frustration or irritation. And when you see a pattern in that, your emotions are telling a story. They're telling a story, oftentimes, that's not true. In reality, or the what, 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 what happens is, oftentimes, we don't understand, we don't even take the time to understand that we have a choice to make in those moments. We're so driven by our emotions, we just react, rather than pausing to understand that we have a choice. Now that's good news, believe it or not. The fact that we have a choice. We have a choice on how we project and direct our emotions. Many times we don't feel like that, but we actually do have a choice on whether we're going to follow God or follow our feelings. It's easy to sit outside uh, of our, our of our emotional intensity and in moments like this, and kind of look back on and say, "Oh man, I, I should have done this, or I could have done that," and uh, and that's challenging. But the but what's what what we hope to do and what we want to do is get to the point that I believe God wants us to get to, which is to be able to discern what's truth. To be able to, in the the midst of our emotions, and even before we get into an emotional uh, sort of cycle there where we're being driven by our feelings, to discern what is truth. What does God have to say about this feeling? And be able to make a decision and not allow our feelings to have a stronghold on us. Feelings are a gauge, not a guide. You know, as I, as we uh, uh, continue and close, uh, one of the things I wanna do is give us a scripture. And I believe a scripture can, this scripture can guide us. You know, how do we, that's a question I kinda ask myself oftentimes. How do I make that transition? How do I grow, how do I go from being emotionally driven to being God-driven. And I believe this passage can help us. In Philippians chapter four, and verse eight it reads, finally my brothers and sisters, always think about what is true. What do you mean always? I mean always, in the middle of uh, your challenges, when you're in your emotional highs, when you're triggered, when you're at home chilling, doing nothing, think about what is true. But not only that, think about what is noble. Think about what is right. Think about what is lovely and worthy of respect. If anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about those things. Think about those kinds of things. Do what you have learned or received or heard from me. Follow my example. The God who gives peace will be with you. You know, I love this passage. What an amazing passage that that can guide us from being feelings driven to being truth driven, but not just any truth, God's truth. He says, think about what is truth. And when we do this, God will give you peace. You know, this is a perfect opportunity for us to pause. Take time to pause and assess what thoughts and feelings lead you to act with regret. You know I'm sure if you evaluate your life, if you evaluate your feelings, if you evaluate even just this past week, there have been times where you've acted, there have been times where you've made decisions and, 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 and you, you look back on that with a sense of regret because you knew you know at, you know now and looking back that you know what, that was I, I made that choice out of emotion. You know, and, 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 and that's a, a great question for us to ask is, is that question, what thoughts and feelings lead you to act with regret? And, and, and maybe a more important question is, how would your friends answer that question? How would your coworker or your spouse, would they have the same answer that you have? Oftentimes, we need other people to help us understand and see the things that God wants us to see. You know, we need other people to speak truth into our lives so that we can consider and think about what's true and be guided and dictated and directed by God's truth rather than the lies that our feelings often tell us. You know, I want us to uh, leave us with a challenge here today. This week, as you uh, um, actually going to put in the chat here, a, uh, a link, a link to a a, uh, uh, some of God's truth. The Bible's filled with so many truths, so many uh, 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 wisdom and sayings that, that God is trying to lead us in and guide us in. And uh, I want you to take a look at that sometime this week. And I want you to grab a hold of one of God's truths. And I want you to hold on to that truth this week. And as you're faced with feelings and heightened emotions, to be able to look at that truth and to be able to discern whether you ought to follow that truth, which we know that's the answer, rather than the lie that a feeling is trying to tell you. You know, I believe that it's understanding and seeking after God's truth that allows us to, to discern when our feelings are lying. The more we seek out, and the more we speak Jesus' truth into our life, the less likely we are to believe and, and, and allow our feelings to be our guide. I can only discern the lies when I know the truth. And we need help, right? <laughs> we are human. We're all imperfect people. And our emotions are imperfect as well. Therefore, we need God's truth. We need other people in our lives to help us to understand and chase after and seek after and make a firm commitment in our lives to be influenced and inspired and guided by God's truth. I want you to, for, take for a second, contrast the what it looks like to be feelings led versus Jesus led. Think about that for a second. There's a stark contrast between being feelings led. We can look at the world around us and we see We see very clearly what it looks like to be feelings-led. But man, what an amazing journey when we are Jesus-led, when we allow God's truth to lead us. I want you to envision, Jesus kind of holds out this vision for us as a community who are guided by his wisdom, by his truth, a community where God is renovating our heart where Jesus is able to rule our heart and uh, where our feelings align with our worship and then our actions trail behind because we have our eyes centered on Jesus and his truth and his message. Man, what an amazing vision that Jesus holds out for us. You know, as we close our time this week, I wanna leave you with that, that your feelings are a gauge and not a God. You know, we're going to pick up on this idea a little bit more next week. We started last week with affection size direction, and that's the, the big picture. And today, we leave you with your feelings and being able to assess and understand and commit that your feelings are a gauge and not a guide. Thanks so much for tuning in, and uh, hopefully uh, this time has been helpful for you. And so, again, we're going to come back with part three of our series next week where we'll wrap things up and uh, close out our series. I love you and have a great rest of your week. We'll see you back here next week. Thank you for checking out the R&B podcast where you receive your real and biblical manna. Did you like what you heard? Do me a favor, hop on social media and use the hashtag RBManna or... Hashtag Real Biblical Podcast to share any gems that you may have heard or any aha moments and also why others should check out this awesome podcast. Be sure to tag me at Tornado Network so that we can share your insights with the world. I look forward to seeing you next time on the real and biblical manner.